0: So this series has really been all about excuses. Maybe you got that from the title of the series, Excuses. Uh, But specifically, this series has been all about excuses that we make when it comes to God's calling or direction in our lives. See, we know that God does have a call, a plan for each of our lives. That may look different depending on who you are, where you are. But I know a lot of us tend to make excuses uh, of why we can't do it why we can't do what God's calling us to do, why we can't follow him in that direction. And here's the thing about those excuses. At least most of the time, probably not all the time, but most of the time, they make sense in our minds. We don't think of them as excuses. We think of them simply as reasons. Uh, One of the definitions for excuses are plausible statements that masquerade as the truth. It's that plausibility, in our minds at least, that make an excuse a valid reason. And that's exactly what we saw in the first week of this series, if you were with us. We saw God tell Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child. And from this child was going to come a great nation. And when Sarah heard this, she responded with laughter. She said, I can't have a kid. I'm 90 years old. And I don't know about you, but being 90 years old seems like a pretty good reason for not having a baby, right? That that, doesn't seem like an excuse. That is very plausible, And yet it didn't matter because God had promised that she would, and God's promises are bigger than our excuses. And last week, we saw God continue to work to establish that nation that would become the nation of Israel from Abraham and Sarah's son. And in so doing, what we saw was him call Moses to return to Egypt, which he had fled from, and that Moses was going to lead the Jewish people to freedom from their slavery under Pharaoh. And we hear Moses make an excuse, God, I can't, I'm not able. He makes excuses about not being persuasive enough, not being believable enough, or even simply good enough to do what God was calling him to do. And just like Sarah, it didn't matter because God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. So, whether our excuses are like Sarah, focused on God's ability, saying you can't do this, or maybe even you won't do this, or our excuses are like Moses, focused on our ability, saying that I can't, at the end of the day, those excuses just don't hold up. When God has promised something, he's going to see it through. And so, this week is... As we wind down this series, we're going to look at one last set of excuses. This time, not excuses that are focused on you or I, but excuses focused on they, those external obstacles that we feel keep us from whatever it is that God is calling us to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to catch up on the story that we've kind of followed loosely to this point. We've seen God come to Abraham and Sarah, promise a son. That son, Isaac, turns into the father of a great nation that is held in captivity in slavery in Egypt. Moses, a son of the Jewish people, raised in Pharaoh's household, murders an Egyptian, and then goes on to run for his life. Out the backside of the desert, God comes to Moses, speaks to him, says, you're going to go rescue my people. Moses makes his excuse, we've already talked about that, but ultimately goes back. And it is through Moses going to Egypt that he confronts Pharaoh, and God uses Moses and many miracles to lead the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He takes them to the Red Sea, where he parts it on, uh, uh, parts it in the middle, so that the nation of Israel can walk across on dry ground. When the Egyptian army comes after them, God swallows them up. They follow God to Mount Sinai, where they're at Mount Sinai. God meets with the nation of Israel, and he gives them his law, the Ten Commandments, and says, you're going to take this law, and as a people, you're going to become a nation in a land that I am giving to you. And so they leave Mount Sinai, and they come to the edge of this promised land, waiting on God to fulfill his promise that he was going to give them a land and make them a nation. And in Exodus chapter 13 we read that God tells Moses to send spies into the land to bring back a report of what was there as they prepared to enter it. So these spies are 12 men who were leaders of the 12 different tribes of the nation of Israel, and they go into the promised land, and they spend 40 days in the promised land spying it out. After those 40 days, they come back to Moses in the camp of Israel, and they give their report. Let's read it. If you have your Bible, it's going to be in Numbers chapter 13, and we find this first part in Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. They'd been sent out to spy the land, gone for 40 days. They come back. Here's what they say. It says, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here's some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amakalites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hethites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. And then Caleb, one of the spies, quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. So I want us to notice a, a couple of things uh, about the spies' report initially. Um, really, the first thing I want you to see is that when the spies give this report, what they do is they they confirm what God had already said, right? The spies' report says this. They, get, they brought back a good report in verse 27. Indeed, it is a land Flowing with milk and honey. That seems like a really interesting and specific phrase. It's because it is. That phrase, flowing with milk and honey, was first used by God when he commissioned Moses to lead the people from captivity. Really what the spies report did was the spies report confirmed everything that God had told Moses prior to him ever bringing them out of Egypt. If you've got your Bibles, flip back to Exodus chapter 3, starting verse 7. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, we read this last week. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their suffering, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land, here's this, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So in essence, when the spies say, indeed, this is the land flowing with milk and honey, what they're really saying is the land, it's just what God promised. God said it was going to be a good land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and it is. But pay attention here. Don't, don't miss this part. What they're saying and how they're saying it when they say, indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, shows us that they know what God had promised we, we can't fly past that too quickly, because sometimes in our life, right, it is hard to know what it is God had actually promised us. It's hard to know, is this a promise in Scripture? Is this a principle in Scripture? Is this something that God is speaking into me and calling me to do? Or is that just the Taco Bell I had for dinner last night? Sometimes it can be hard to know what God is actually specifically calling us to. We know that. Uh, Because of that, we actually recorded a podcast this past week. It dropped as a special episode on our podcast. Let's talk about that. And I would encourage you, whether it's on Spotify, the Apple Store, the website, whatever, go to podcast, search, let's talk about that, and watch that episode. Listen to that episode where our four pastors get together and talk about how we can know if God is calling us to something. Because sometimes it's not super easy. But for here... With the nation of Israel, these spies in particular, there's no such problem. They know exactly what God had called them to. They know exactly what God had promised them according to the land. And he says, indeed, they say, indeed, it's just like God said, a land flowing mil- with milk and honey. And so now at first glance, right, that seems like it's a good thing. They, they know what God has promised. And they say, based on everything they've seen, if I was to quote him, he ain't wrong, right? It's, it's what he said. But never underestimate people's ability to make an excuse. Go back to Numbers chapter 13 and keep reading in verse 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him, the other spies that went up with Caleb, they responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. And so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers and we must have seen the same to them. See, here's the tragedy. The spies, see, they know what God had promised. They know the calling that God had had and had currently on their nation. And still they make an excuse. They say the people in the land, they are too much for us to handle. See, I think it's funny how often they, whoever they are, or whatever obstacle they may represent, keep us from being obedient to Jesus. That's what happens here. They're big. They're strong. Their cities have walls. They are not going to let us come in and take the land God had given us. But here's the thing, right? God God already knew those people were in the land. He knew they were going to be an obstacle that Israel would have to contend with. He had told them that already. Remember what we read in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, these people live in this land. But see, the spies don't want to hear that. They don't want to think about that. They are so confident in their excuse that they then go go into the camp of Israel and they start to rally the people around their excuse. They say, hey, well, we just can't do it. These guys are huge. They're massive. They're going to kill us all. We can't overcome this. And I think it's funny how sometimes it's not enough for us to make an excuse. We need people to buy into our excuses and affirm our excuses and say, yeah, you're right. I get it. In fact... The nation of Israel buys in so much to the excuse of some of these spies that they refused to enter the promised land that God had to give to them. And because of this, this time, through this excuse, an entire generation, including Moses, would perish without ever entering the promised land because they chose to focus on the obstacles on the they, rather than to believe God would keep his promise. It's really a sad story when you think about it. Sarah laughed and doubted, made an excuse, and yet God said, no, you're going to have a kid. Moses doubted, made excuses. God gave him accommodations and said, you're still going to do this. But here the nation of Israel on the verge of the promised land, they said, we can't. They are too big. And this time, God says, all right, then, if you don't think you can, you won't. And that entire generation dies out, spending 40 years wandering around in the wilderness before their children get to go in and inherit the land. Matter of fact, the only two people from that generation that enter to the land are Joshua and Caleb. So how did they get to that point? How did this nation called by God, his chosen people, get to this point? I think it's because they had forgotten. They had forgotten what God did for Pharaoh. They had forgotten how God had used Moses to rise up against Pharaoh. They had forgotten how the Nile River turned to blood they had forgotten how the locust covered the land they had forgotten the night of the passover they had forgotten the dry ground in the middle of the red sea they had forgotten the cloud in the day and the pillar of fire at night they had forgotten feeding on the manna and the quail they had forgotten the bitterness of mara made sweet they had forgotten the water flowing from the rock they had forgotten the 10 commandments coming down from mount sinai they had forgotten the utter f- foolishness of the golden calf they had forgotten the glory and the power and the majesty and the holiness and the goodness and the faithfulness of the lord and because they forgot they didn't believe and they didn't enter in to the land and i think that every time we make excuses because of the they's in our way, we do the same thing. We forget who God is and what He's done. Now, those days in our life can be anything from difficult people to difficult circumstances. And listen, I I don't want to unnecessarily minimize those people or those circumstances in your life. Like, I, I get it. We all have those obstacles, and, and sometimes they can be downright daunting. But what they all have in common, big or small, is that none of them can stop Jesus from keeping his word and working his plan for his people. You know, I think when we make excuses... Part of the reason that it's so easy for us to make excuses, especially in circumstances like this, is because we know how things work out, right? Like, we've seen all this before. We've been around the block a time or two. I might have been born one day, but it wasn't yesterday. We know how life works. So why would anything different happen right now than it has ever happened before? If God didn't do it in the past, why would he do it now? See, things in life, the days in life that we don't think can be overcome are really easy to use as excuses because we've seen them all before. But just like we said in the first week of this series, just because God hasn't before doesn't mean that he won't now. Just because he didn't last time doesn't mean he won't this time. Just think, virgins can't get pregnant. Water... Can't turn to wine. Blind men can't see. Paralyzed men can't walk. Dead men can't come back to life. Fishermen can't challenge an empire. Pharisees can't preach grace. Sinners can't find forgiveness. And yet they all did. Because God can. And he still does. So whatever God is calling you to. Whatever they is standing in your way, it's not an excuse. It's not a reason. God is faithful and he is powerful. And when we are obedient to his call in our life, we get the privilege of seeing him work. We've said it all series. I'll say it one more time. God's promises are bigger than your excuses. So I don't know where you are. Right now in this moment. Or what it is that you feel God is calling you to. But I can promise you. That whatever you think in your way. Stands in your way. Is nothing compared to who stands at your side. God will. God can. His word doesn't come back empty. And his promises never fail. So once you are certain. What God has called you to. Be faithful to follow. And watch what he'll do. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for the time you've given us today to look at this story that is in many ways a tragedy in Scripture about how your people, knowing your promise, failed to believe it. God, I pray that would never be true of us again. That any time we're tempted to make excuses about the people or obstacles in our way, that we would remember who you are, what you've done in the past, and what you can still do in the future. And God, that when it's so tempting to make excuses for why you won't, we can't, or they won't let us, God, that we will be reminded that your promises are bigger than any excuses we might make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.